Hi, I'm Taryn Winterbrill, host of Bestseller TV on C-Suite Radio. On this show, I sit down with leading business authors to find out what makes their books stand out from the crowd. With thousands of new business books and titles being published each year, we try to make it just a little bit easier for you to decide which ones are worth the read. Thanks for listening. This podcast is part of the C-Suite Radio Network, turning the volume up on business. Welcome to Bestseller TV. I'm Taryn Winterbrill. We're here with Brian Hazelgren. He's the author of Healthy Habits of Highly Productive Employees, Thriving in Health, Wealth, and Self. It's great to have you with us. Thank you, Taryn. It's great being here. First off, I was curious why you wrote the book. Is it because you think there's a lack of highly productive employees? Are you a very productive employee and you wanted to sort of share the wealth and share your experiences? Great question. Actually, I own a health and wellness company. So we're in corporations all day long, every day, and we're working with them at their at the level of the C-suite as well as the employee level. And what's, what, what's fascinating to me is that there are a lot of unproductive employees out there, but it's because they have to show up to work because if they don't show up, they're going to lose their job. Mm. So we started looking at different ways of looking closely at their wellness programs. And I mean, let's face it, we've got 150 million people going to work every day here in America. But are they all healthy? And if they're not healthy, how does that really reflect in their job performance and their productivity? And then if we even take it a step further, how does that also affect the pricing of the products and services that those companies are having to provide? Because maybe their employees aren't healthy enough. And so their healthcare costs are skyrocketing and we wanted to do something about that. Right. So you talk a lot about workplace wellness. What exactly is that? What's, what's the basic definition? Well, the basic definition would be uh, a program that the employees can buy into that senior level management has said, we buy into this idea. We want our employees to be more healthy. Let's provide our employees with certain tools or even technology to help them find that optimal health that they're all looking for and hoping for. Our goal is to not only help them understand the workplace wellness concept, but take it to a new level and help them find that productivity that both the employees and the senior managers are trying to uh, find in the employee base. So that said, Brian, at your company, what's your workplace wellness program? Well, what we have at our company is a a very simple thing uh, that we call a six-week challenge. And we do these all the time because it helps our employees get re-engaged in the thought of being healthy. And really what we're doing is we're, we're telling our employees If you can log points every day by doing certain healthy things, there's a cash reward. There's another type of an award. There's a, we have an exotic trip that they can win. We have all types of awards that they can win. And we started doing this in our own business and thought, well, there's got to be other companies that like this as well. So we started uh, to go down the path of not just corporate wellness, but how do we make this fun? And part of that fun became a challenge or a competition that the employees could buy into a little bit faster, a little bit easier and say, you know what, if I do healthy things, I can get rewarded for that. If I walk 8,000 steps, if I drink 80 ounces of water, if I spend 20 minutes on my goals and objectives every day, 
I can get a point. And so they're, they're all competing against each other. So it makes it a lot of fun where you can have departments competing against departments. You can have companies competing against companies. It's great. And even internally just competing against the employee base. Right. Cause you talk about tracking metrics and this innovative software that you guys use, but it, it is so important because like you mentioned, you need an ROI. You're in, in putting these wellness systems, but you want to make sure that they're working and there's a reason you're paying money for them. Well, you know, I, I always look at um, C-level leaders when when we want to help them understand that this is not a black hole that they just dump money into. What we want to do is be able to track those results. We right. do that through one of our software programs, but we also do that in a, in a standpoint of also teaching and training the leaders on communicating with their team better. Mm-hmm. So communication, as we all know, is where things can either be broken down very quickly or made to be something actually magical within a company. So we talk a lot about the communication factor uh, of the C-level executives all the way down through the management team, down to the rank and file. And then also we, we, we make sure that there's a chain of, of flow of information that can go back up through that all the way up to the C-suite. And that's all done through, uh, again, through our software program. But more, most importantly, it's done through that human interaction. And so that's one of the things that we also train on. You talk a lot in the book about DNA test mm-hmm. results and why it's so important to get your DNA tested and even from personal experience. Right. So this sort of roadmap. So my personal experience was when I played football, uh, I, I, I was with an amazing group of guys that uh, I couldn't continue playing. Uh, I had too many concussions. Uh, I went blind three different times. I, I couldn't go any further. So time out. We just, I don't want you to be humble here, but you won the national championship at BYU. Yes. Wow. And you were a defensive back. Yes. So you were taking the hits. I was take, uh, I was dishing out the hits, also taking the hits from the guys that were twice my size. <laughs> wow. And I was running back kickoffs. And we should also say you're a four sport athlete. You were drafted by the Cubs. Mm-hmm. So you played baseball, football, track and basketball. Right. Yeah. Wow. And the Cubs, what happened with the same thing? The concussion? The problem? concussions. I, wow. I, I had, and I really wanted to focus more on football. Uh, okay. At the time, you know, back in my life when I was younger, football was my passion. And I was really good at the other sports. Um, I was all American in two of those and all state and all four. But wow. uh, I, I was an athlete. Uh, health and wellness, even though I didn't recognize it back as a teenager and into my college years, uh, I, I didn't recognize I was into health and wellness, but I just I was passionate about it. I didn't want to do anything else. So t- today, you know, I, now you fast forward to about a year ago, I got contacted by a group of physicians that wanted us to market their DNA test uh, because the test results caught my attention. The doctors told me that, look, we, we uh, have done a lot of work and research on concussions. And we know that you couldn't continue in your career as an athlete because of the concussions. Would you take our test and let's see where you fall on this, this scale? So this scale showed low risk, medium risk, high risk. High risk for what is, right. was my first question. And it was, um, Brian, do you carry the gene that will give you the early propensity for Alzheimer's, dementia, schizophrenia, other brain diseases. And my, one of my grandfathers passed away from Alzheimer's several oh. years ago. So 
with those two things in mind, it caught my attention, and I said, I want to take the test. Well, I'm, I'm grateful, very happy to report that I'm at the low risk end. But Great. it started me thinking about what about all my other friends that continued to play and may have received concussions like I did? What do their futures look like? So we start having them take the test as well. And I've got several friends that are in that high risk category. Well, if you take that high risk category because they carry the gene, we just do a simple DNA swab and or swab of the mouth and do the DNA test. If they carry the gene, now they've ratcheted that up, and that propensity is now a whole lot worse, and it's going to have a lot uh, earlier stages of, of uh, showing Alzheimer's and dementia, mm-hmm. even schizophrenia, even other brain diseases, right. because it was exacerbated because of the head injury and the head trauma. Right. So that caught my attention. Wow. And I, I got very interested in how do we help even younger athletes? What if you're a parent and you don't know if your son or daughter is in a, in a high-contact sport? I mean, I'm even going to consider um, some of the high-contact sports today because um, it's not just football. It's not just boxing. It's not MMA. There's kids that are getting concussions in all sports. Lacrosse. Lacrosse, soccer. Mm-hmm. Um, my son played soccer. I, I've seen him get slammed to the ground on the hard turf. Oh, those headers? Yeah, I got a and couple head- black guys playing soccer. Absolutely. So what if you want to know if your child ha- carries that gene that can on- have them have an early onset of a brain disease later on? Wouldn't you want to know that now? Maybe we ought to take a closer look at our kids earlier on mm. and help them understand maybe you shouldn't be playing a high-contact sport. Maybe we should, maybe we should hand them a golf club or right. a tennis racket yeah. or track shoes. Because you have six kids, two sets of twins. Yes. <laughs> we were talking That's incredible. So have you had them tested? Uh, not all of them, no, because okay. they're not, they're not all, uh, they didn't want, not all of them wanted to do it. Right. Uh, but we will. We, okay. we, we will have them tested along with our employees too, because that test, what we can also do um, with the same test is help the individual understand, okay, if I've got that challenge that, that I'm going I'm right? to have to face this challenge later on, what should my workout regimen be? How should I be exercising? Well, our test shows you how to exercise, whether it's high intensity or low intensity based on your DNA. The second part of the test also shows, here's your meal plan. This is what you should be eating every day based on your DNA. Really? And then the third element is, these are the types of supplements that your system needs based on what your DNA receptors are telling us. Here's how you can find that optimal health level in all of those categories by taking this simple test. No kidding. So this is not a test about figuring out what our ancestors are. This is a test about what we should be doing every day of our lives for our better health and wellness and finding optimal health. So if you could have, you would have taken this test Absolutely. way back when. Okay. Absolutely. And now that you've taken it, have you changed? And, I have. So you, and, you, and you feel a difference? Yeah. Well, one thing that I learned in the test is I always thought being a four-sport athlete that you always had to work out at high intensity. Come to find out... I could have slacked off maybe a little bit because my, my genes tell me you can work out 70% low intensity and 30% high intensity. Mm. Okay, well, that's kind of interesting to know. What was really fascinating for me to understand, though, is I have six specific supplements that I need in my system based on my DNA. Really? I didn't know that. Wow. So now I know what six supplements I'm supposed to take. So do you feel differently? I do. Hmm. Yep. How long have you been on the regimen? Uh, it's been about nine months now. C-Suite Radio. The book is so terrific because you, you really, you point out challenges and solutions 
in the self category, the wealth category, the health category. Um, and it's really interesting, you know, it's, it's interesting, especially given your background, it's a unique spin on it. So I'm sure a lot of people watching are curious about this DNA test. You said you can, you can, um, get access to it through your website. Through our website. Yes. Okay. Okay. You're and what's your website? (laughs) Well, well, there's two of them. There's platinum partners, wellness, or there's active mode.com. Okay, great. And I'm just curious, I like asking authors, especially given what you know now, the advent of all this information, what's the one thing you wish you would have known back then? Well, I wish I would have known probably what I cover in the book is the three areas. It's not just the one on health. Mm-hmm. Because, yes, we talk a lot about health. Or I talk a lot about health in the book. But I also talk about wealth and self. And those three things have to match up together. What I wish I would have known is how all three of those tie together. Here's why. I don't talk about how you should have $10 million in your bank account to be considered wealthy. What I talk about is the stress that not having enough money in your bank account will cause. Right. The stress at work, the stress at home, the stress at every aspect of your life. I offer solutions in the book on how to get rid of that. And one of those simple solutions Stop what you're doing. Take a breath. Let's do a quick budget. Let's even find out how much credit card debt we have. And what if we made a few extra changes along the way? What if we had to sacrifice a little bit? Talk a little bit about that in the book, but it, but it all ties back into how do we get healthier. And then I talk more about, uh, about finding balance in your life, because I, I think that's the other thing that I'd like to point out is that we all may not have balance in our life, but we can fix that. Mm. We can fix the problem. Right. Um, and at work, as long as we're communicating with our senior level executives, and it's it's a chain that goes up and down, it's a flow, ebb and flow of information, if we can help each other understand that our health and our wellness affects our productivity, I would love to have some of these managers that we've talked to throughout the past year um, take some time out and spend time with their employees because their employees are hurting, mm-hmm. but they're having to show up at 40 or 50% capacity because if they don't show up, they're going to lose their job. Right. We've got ways to help them. We, not only that, we can also help the company save an enormous amount of money. I mean, if 50% of their uh, operating costs are going towards healthcare. We've got ways to fix that. Right. Cause you talk about it, 44% of American companies are paying lower health and insurance premiums because of their wellness program. Right. Importance. That's a big number. 44%. Yeah. There's a lot of people that say you can't track ROI. You can't track your return on investment. That's right. not true. Mm-hmm. Right. You we talk can, about it. we can specifically track those numbers, but they have to be engaged. They have to be doing a program. And even though, you know, typically when we're talking health and wellness in a corporation, usually you come in and you talk to the, the, the C-level executives and they say, well, we have one already. Well, what they have is a quarterly newsletter. They tell their employees to eat better and to exercise <laughs> right. more. There's something on the bulletin board. There's something says, on right. the bulletin board in the cafeteria. And then they tell them, oh, by the way, we, get, we got you a discount for the local gym. Here's a pass to go work out. That's not a wellness program. You have to have activities in a wellness program in order to be considered successful, but it's got to be fun for the employees. Otherwise, they're not going to be engaged. One of our studies showed um, Safeway. Safeway changed their motto. They literally changed the way they, from the top down, the way they thought. 
Here's what they said. We're no longer a grocery store company that has a wellness program. We're a wellness company that just happens to sell groceries. Now, when they did that, there was a shift in the participation. It went from 40% to over 80%. No kidding. Participation. Wow. Now we have more employees that are participating in that program because they were now buying into it. Because from the top down, they were buying into it. And that information was going back and forth and they were rewarding their employees at the same time. Well, Brian, thank you again. Congrats on your 14th book and congrats on an incredible career leading up to being an author. Quite a journey. Thank you for having me. It's really great stuff. And if you'd like more information on the book, just head to our website. It's csweetbookclub.com, c-sweetbookclub.com. This podcast is part of the C-Suite Radio Network, turning the volume up on business. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.